Hey, New Beginnings Church family, welcome to church online this weekend. We miss you guys so much. We wish we were gathering in person this weekend, but at least we have this space for this weekend where we can gather here online. And I want to encourage you wherever you are watching this, whether it's by yourself, whether it's with a friend or with your family, take out your Bibles, take your notepad. I get ready to take notes because we believe that God does have a message for you today. He's going to speak to you today. Amen. So come expectant. We're going to worship together, and then we're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Joe Source, this weekend. So we love you guys, and we can't wait to see you soon.
glorify your name Forever anthem your acclaim Lord I will sing your praise I will praise you in the promise and darkness my god that is who you are 
miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. make miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. We sing, Lord. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Who you are, Lord. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who. Oh, it's who you are, Lord. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who All right, church family, we're going to use this time in the service now to give with our tithes and offering. And first off, we just want to thank you for being faithful givers. Your giving is what keeps this ministry going. And for this weekend, the easiest way to give is to give online. It is a safe and secure way to give. And maybe you've never given online before, so I'm going to walk you through that. All you have to do is maybe you're on it right now, our website. You just go to the homepage or just our website is newbeginningsnj.org. You click, you'll see on our homepage, there is a tab that says give. You click that giving tab and then you select which camp, whatever campus you attend, Brick or Bayville, you click that campus and it will bring you to a screen to just fill out your information to give online. And again, it is a safe and secure way to give. We thank you for your faithful giving. And I just want to share a scripture with you as we get our tithes and offerings ready this weekend. It's in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So we could see that when we are honoring with 
honoring God with our giving. He is faithful. Now, yes, many of us don't have barns, right? But we have businesses, we have jobs, we have our families, and we know we are honoring God. He is faithful. We are trusting him. What is What that is doing is we are inviting him into our finances. Amen. We're inviting him into our finances. We're partnering with him. And we can trust that he is faithful to supply our need. Amen. I want to encourage you with that. Thank you again for your faithful giving. You can give right online on that tab. Amen. And let's open our hearts now to God's word. Welcome, everybody. I'm so glad that you're able to join us this morning as we come together, sharing the word of God and with the hope and the intention of be able to encourage one another and, and just be able to impart the life of God into every one of your, in your households. Um, just think about this. We were so grateful that God inspired technology like we're using right now, that we're able to come together and connect. You know, I, I think about this. All these major tech companies had no idea years ago that God was the one that was actually giving them the wisdom and giving them the understanding about how to put the technology together that is enabling us to stay connected online uh, so that we can encourage one another, so we can pray for one another, and that we could assemble ourselves together, even as the Word of God tells us that we should do, especially in these difficult times. You know, if you turn on your TV or you check your Facebook page, you will likely see the word pandemic at least a couple of times, just over and over again. And we realize it's referring to this virus. And I believe that we should do everything possible to limit our exposure and to keep ourselves safe. However, there's another pandemic that I'm even more concerned about because that pandemic I'm referring to is fear. Fear spreads like wildfire. It knows no bounds. It infects people's minds. It causes trauma in individual souls that sometimes could last for decades. And I thank God that we have a Savior who's promised to, to hold our hand, to go through life with us, especially during the tough times that we're in right now. And the key promise that should be playing over and over again in our mind is hearing Jesus say, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always. Think about this. Sin made a disastrous impact on humans. God's unconditional, forever committed love was, was the basic instinct that God created us with. Adam and Eve, I want you to hear this. I want you to get this very strongly. Adam and Eve felt completely at ease in God's presence. Sin allowed fear to become the basic instinct that you and I have to deal with from the time that we're born. Some people are ruled by fear from their birth all the way to the grave. But we're gonna make sure that that doesn't happen to us because we have a God who cares for us and we God who's made promises to us that he, not only is he willing to, but he's very much able to keep those promises. Grace can be described as undeserved favor and it is meant to draw us to him. The grace of God is meant to draw us closer to the Father. It is meant to replace fear, permitting us to come to him with full acceptance. And I want you to get this in your heart, even when we don't have our act together. And I would say it this way, especially when we don't have our act together. For instance, this week, maybe some of us, maybe some of us that are watching or some of us, whatever, may have experienced setbacks, may have experienced a time when we entertained fear and maybe made a decision based on fear. And then when we come to ourselves, if we're not careful, we'll allow ourselves, we'll start beating ourselves up because of that failure. Well, God's grace is there for us to, to calm that concern, to calm that worry, to eliminate that need for punishing ourselves because we might have failed at some point. Listen to Romans chapter five. I pray that this brings comfort to you. 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, justified us before God. That alone should eliminate all fear. That alone should eliminate all intimidation, anxiety. And it's grace that we stand in now, the undeserved favor of God, in spite of our failures, in spite of our character flaws, in spite of our momentary lapses. Peace with God is what Adam and Eve had until the day that they lost it. They didn't know anything else but peace with God. But ever since Adam and Eve fell, mankind has had this basic distrust of God. To the human mind, the concept of New Testament biblical grace is too good to be true because in our, in our souls, we're constantly hearing, we don't deserve it, we don't deserve it, we don't deserve it. Guess what? We don't deserve it. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, that should bring calm to us, that should bring stability to us. So, so God has been at work all this time trying to make us feel comfortable in his presence again. Now, that doesn't mean that we can live just any way we want, but his love brings us to this place. The sacrifice of Jesus brought us to a place of right standing with the Father. So fear can't come in any longer and infect us. Fear can't, doesn't have unlimited access to our minds and to our hearts because God has put our minds at ease. We have peace with him as it just said in Romans chapter five, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about this. Again, remember we are trying to resist and to defeat this pandemic of fear so that we don't get caught up and like, start conducting ourselves like we see others just out of control, desperate, doing desperate things. Fear and distrust are rooted in insecurity. Right now, we're all having the fight of fear. We're all having the fight of apprehension and insecurity. We feel insecure because we don't know what we don't know. You and I are not aware. We don't have all the facts. We don't have all the inside information that, that scientists have and the medical, the medical profession has. We don't know. And so because of that, if we're not careful, we can allow fear to come in and start to sow seeds of doubt, to sow seeds of, of, of concern and anxiety. We, we, we are experiencing apprehension because we don't really know what the future holds. But, but I want to give you this statement. I want you to hold on to this. And I pray that this brings confidence to you. Although we don't know what the future holds, we do know who holds the future. And he is holding us in his hands. So I have three points that I want to share with you in this brief time that we have together. I hope that you'll listen closely. I hope that you'll be intentional about taking some notes. Because I believe that this is going to help you go through the rest of this week and into the future. Number one, fear starts with a thought. Think about that. Fear comes like a seed in our mind, pops up out of nowhere. Or we see a picture and it creates fear. We hear a report and it creates fear. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought 
Think about this. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, not obedient to the enemy. The enemy sends thoughts and he wants us to take hold of. He wants us to allow them to to be deposited in our hearts so that he can accomplish in us what he desires. Yet the word of God comes to us as a seed. And when we when we, we take it in, we believe it, we, we, we begin to speak it, we begin to meditate on it. And so that we're allowing that seed to burst forth and to bring forth what God wants to bring in our lives. Now, that scripture we just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is describing ungodly strongholds that are constructed with thoughts that oppose the word of God. Think about that. Every thought of the enemy, every seed of darkness, every, 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 every mention or suggestion of fear is meant to produce the kingdom of darkness. The word of God is meant to produce the kingdom of God. With the word of God, we oppose darkness. The enemy wants to oppose the word of God so that it never brings forth fruit in our lives. It talks about ungodly strongholds. What's a stronghold? The stronghold is like a castle, a fortress. It's built by one brick at a time, one thought, one suggestion, one fear, one, one thought of intimidation or apprehension. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself on the inside of this wall that you built, built of fear, built of suggestions from the kingdom of darkness. Yet Psalm 91, thank God, speaks of God as a mighty fortress. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. A fortress is a place we run to when there's danger. A fortress is a place that's built in order for us to feel secure and safe behind these gigantic walls that the enemy cannot penetrate. And during these difficult days, this concept of building and allowing God to bring us inside that fortress, that dwelling place where he is, this, during these times, needs to be a very real concept to us. So biblically speaking, strongholds are built in our minds by knowledge, through information. They can be holy, they can be dedicated to the Lord, and and therefore bringing about the kingdom of heaven in our hearts, or they can be evil thoughts, dedicated to the purposes of Satan in our lives. Now, originally, Adam and Eve, their minds were filled with the knowledge of the Lord. They received instruction from God himself. But the enemy discovered a gap in the walls. And the tree of knowledge for good and evil became an ungodly stronghold to Adam and Eve. They allowed information from the enemy to turn the fortress of godly knowledge into a fortress of evil that they had to deal with for the rest of their lives. The consequences of which we're dealing with to this very day. Number two, good news. The central truth of the gospel is this. Jesus came to face all our fears for us so we could once again live in harmony with God. That's the reason he had to go as far as he did. That's the reason why he had to lay his life down for us, to prove his love. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And so since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still enemies, 
we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this closely, has made us friends of God. I don't know that we understand the the significance of that word friend. It suggests covenant. It suggests a, a relationship of obligation, if I can put it that way. God brought us into relationship with himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can now, even like Abraham was called, we can now refer to ourselves as friends of God. But on God's side, he being our friend means that he's obligated to protect us. He's obligated to keep us safe. He's obligated to provide for us. He's obligated to give us a place of security and stability. That's what it means to be friends with God. And Jesus came to take us out of a life of fear, intimidation, and a meaningless existence and proved how much he loved us by the ultimate sacrifice that he endured. Think about this. You you remember when Jesus was in the boat and the disciples are with him and they're crossing over the Sea of Galilee and the storm comes up and the disciples are immediately filled with fear. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. They're full of torment. And Jesus gets up. They wake him up. And he turns to them and says, where's your faith? And and I don't think that he meant it as a a punishment, as a rebuke, as a a kind of, guys, like to make them feel less than what they were. What I believe he was saying was, don't you know who I am? Don't you realize that you're my friends? And so because you're my friends, I'm obligated to keep you safe in this storm. And, and, And listen, listen. He's obligated to keep us safe through this storm. Yeah, we may see the waves and we might hear the wind and and it might get dark here and there, but he's with us and he's obligated to take us through this storm and for us to suffer no damage and no loss through it. They, They said to themselves after he calmed the sea, after the wind died down, they looked at each other and said, who is this man? What does that tell us? They didn't understand and they didn't have a realization of who they had in the boat with them. They didn't understand that their friend was capable of calming the storm. And so even though he was there with them, even though he has called them friends over and over again, they did not realize the magnitude of who they were in the boat with them. And I'm I'm concerned that there's some of us that don't realize who's in the boat with us while we go through this storm. And so we're still distrustful and we're still, he said, where is your faith? In other words, don't you trust me? Haven't you seen all the other things that I've done? You should have felt secure in our relationship. Faith stands contrary to fear. Faith is a confident expectation of good based on God's promises. Where in complete opposition, fear is an expectation of evil based on the false concept of the enemy's ability. Sometimes we distrust God because we're not really capable of what he's able to do, yet we put total confidence in the enemy who lies to us about what he's capable of doing. I hope you're getting that. When I was putting these notes together and studying for this message, a picture came to me on the inside. I thought to myself, what would happen if it was possible to arrange a meeting between Adam and Jesus just before the Last Supper was going to take place. Adam as a representation or representative of of mankind, Jesus as representative of heaven. 
And I could see him saying to Adam, pulling Adam aside, trying to give him insight into what was happening here. I could see him saying to Adam, Adam, that fear that paralyzed you in the Garden of Eden, I conquered in the Garden of Gethsemane. The thorns that came up as a result of the curse, I'm going to wear as a crown. The blood of the lamb that was shed to cover you, I now shed my blood to cleanse you. The skins that covered you in your shame, I now replace with my own righteousness. The spiritual death and separation from God that you were supposed to experience, I'm now going to endure. And all this I have done to prove how much I love you. Adam, you have nothing to fear any longer. I'm telling you, we have nothing to fear any longer. Listen to 1 John chapter 4. Verse 18, such love has no fear. Now, when we understand his love, we experience relief from fear. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. If you're experiencing an unusual amount of fear and and you're feeling like, I I can't shake it, I can't get rid of it, is it possible that you, you still fully don't understand and realize who is your friend? You don't really understand who he is. Is it, is it possible that you fully have not yet come to the realization of what his love really means towards us and how powerful it is? Understand this. Jesus's love has cleared the path so that you and I can enjoy his grace. I'm going to say it again. Jesus's love has cleared the path so that we can enjoy his grace. Number three, the last point I want to share. And I want you to listen closely. Grace must be found because fear tries to hide it. I want to say it again. Grace must be found because fear tries to hide it. Grace is openly available to us now because Jesus paid the ultimate price to bring us the ultimate gift. That ultimate gift is this, freedom from fear and the security of everlasting life. I want you to listen to this familiar portion of scripture from Hebrews chapter four. Verse 14, so then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. It's, 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 it's very, very important that we hold firmly to what we believe. It, no matter what we see on TV, no matter what headlines, no matter when the breaking news just interrupts a program, no matter when you're on Facebook and you see that headline or this headline or another or, or, or pop-ups come across the screen, we have got to make sure that we hold on firmly to what we believe and not allow the seeds of fear to come and produce distrust and doubt and unbelief in us. Verse 15 says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. Now, I want you to to listen to verse 16 now. Remember what I said, point number three, grace must be found because fear tries to hide it. Verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and listen, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. We need grace the most right now. We need to have unlimited access to that grace. You and I cannot allow, we cannot afford to allow fear 
to hide his grace. We cannot allow fear to cast God in a different perspective than what the word of God says. We cannot allow fear. We cannot allow chaos. We cannot allow other people's confusion. We can't allow insecurity. We can't allow apprehension to hide his grace because it is his grace that causes us to stand in difficult times like this. Today, Jesus is saying to us, I am here now. I have accomplished it. So allow your fear to be replaced with my shalom with the peace of God that passes all understanding. Shalom, completeness, wholeness, being intact, not having part of our heart convinced of God and another part fearful, entertaining anxiety. Jesus has proved his love for us and we are now free to trust God. He's already gone to the greatest extent he possibly could. There's nothing else he can do to prove and to demonstrate his love towards us. You know, I hear this saying sometimes, I see it posted on Facebook, I hear people talk about it in relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. And and they'll say, I love you to the moon and back. Yet Jesus says, I've loved you to hell and back just to prove my commitment to you. So, So today, in the midst of the turmoil and confusion that's trying to drown us, Let us remind ourselves of the price that was paid and the prize that was won. We are free from fear because of Jesus. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to share your word. I thank you so much, Father God, for the ability to be able to connect together, to be able to share your word, to be able to share your love, to be able to share the power that's on your word, Father. And so, Lord, I thank you that all throughout this coming week, Father, we can meditate on these words. We can meditate on your scriptures. We can meditate on the fact that Jesus has gone all the way to hell and back to prove how much he loves us. We resist fear in the name of Jesus. We resist this sense of insecurity and apprehension. We come against everything that's ungodly. We cover ourselves, we cover our households with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we refuse to fear. And so, Father, we take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we may have unlimited access to your grace manifesting in our lives. We stand by grace, Father, as we walk forward, continuing to walk out the plan of God that you have for us, thanking you constantly for all that Jesus has accomplished for us. Thank you, Father. I pray blessing over every person, over every household. I pray as the Lord has instructed us, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the Lord keep you and you are safe, protected from all harm. And may Psalm 91 be fulfilled in your lives. God bless you. We love you.